This After Dark podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Wendy Presser at Magical Journeys Travel is proud to be a sponsor of the After Dark Podcast Network. Whether you've been to Disney one or a hundred times, there's still lots of planning involved. Let Wendy be the one at midnight when your window opens to get that Be Our Guest reservation or that covers with Anna and Elsa Fast Pass for your own princess. Mention that you heard this ad on one of our podcasts and get $25 off your deposit with any trip package. Be sure to ask about her generous onboard credits for Disney Cruise Lines as well. Find her on Twitter at WPMagicJourneys or WPMagicJourneys.com. Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. And welcome to another edition of Diz After Dark. I am Nick, and on this show, I am joined by the Scouse Wonder Boy with uh, with a missing finger now, Mr. Craig Lucas. Oi, 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 and the always talented Mr. Ripley. I want a can of coke and, and some chicken. Some <laughs> chicken, chicken in the basket. <laughs> that is that is our new catchphrase. We're like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Um, poor Chris, this is the second time in less than 24 hours that he's on a podcast with me. Craig had a reprieve last night. So he was Craig was tucked off in bed. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean, you had a reprieve. Um, so we will start the show as we do each and every show. Have you remembered that I, I do host some podcasts and did the introduction correctly this time? Um, what is everybody drinking? Go on, Chris, because I'm letting the side down. Uh, well, so am I, unfortunately. Uh, I'm just drinking a cold cup of tea. Oh, oh I'm not even drinking tea. that. I'm drinking the steam off my piss. <laughs> I had to, surely you just inhale that, don't you? Well, yeah, but um, it's dead thick. It's like... Um, how do, how do you, it's like beef curtains. Oh, for God's sake, Craig. What? Why? Why did you have to say that? Which? What do you mean, which? We're not talking about your steaming piss. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it won't happen again. Jesus Christ. You know what? I would edit, but I can't be bothered to edit, so it's going to stay in there. Just don't mention the BC again. 
Um, I'm I'm also on a soft drink tonight because um, I've got a massive bottle of Desperado in the fridge, and tonight mm-hmm. is not a massive Desperado bottle of beer night, so I'm just drinking the same bottle of Pepsi Max that I was drinking last night. Um, is it flat? No, no, no. It's still fizzy actually because I only drank about half the bottle last night, so it's all good. It's a two liter bottle. Um, I drink out of the bottle in my household, and the reason for that is no one else drinks it. I'm not that scummy. Do you wee in the sink? No, but I would piss in the shower. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, personally, I think there's nothing wrong with that because it's going down the same hole as the clean as the soapy water. So what's the problem? Answers on a postcard. Um, so there's a few big bits of news. Well, sorry, there's there's one massive bit of news, which is why we're recording the show today, um, because I, I was debating whether or not we actually needed to record this after that this week because I didn't think there was any kind, there wasn't enough news to justify it, and you know, P Dubs is obviously over there at the moment. Although, speaking of P Dubs being over in Disneyland Paris, did you see the bottle of uh, Coca Cola Light that he was drinking today? I've seen that, yeah, with. Uh, L. Boniface's name on it. What's that all about? God knows. I'd love to know the true story about that. I'm waiting to hear. What is Boniface? Is we all thought he was a spy and he just works for the, the the Coke Company. Maybe he owns an island or something. I don't know. It's very very strange. <sighs> Every time I see his Facebook post, he's jumping out of an aeroplane or snapping someone's neck. That's Roger Moore. All right. Oh yeah. Um. So. The big news, and we 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 talked about this on recent episodes of of Diz After Dark, um, and it's it's probably the biggest news that's happened in France for a long old time. Um, Macron since, since probably Macron, yeah, absolutely, um, and not macaroon. Macron. I do love macaroons. Macorn. Macorn. <laughs> do you think Disney have got a Macorn? Um, like, um, yeah, Joseph... they got the guy with the beard, don't they? You know, the tall, skinny guy with the beard. Scooby Joseph Pitt. Turner. I don't know. Who's Joseph well, he... Turner? Ah, interesting. Anyway, go on. What's your news? My news is better. It could well be, but even so. So, um, I am, as was Craig shareholders in Disneyland Paris and I believe after the last episode Craig and me talking about it you sold your shares well a funny thing happened I went on to sell my shares and they'd, they'd gone what do you mean they'd so, gone but they went, there was money in my account my virtual account and my shares had gone who, who did you have your shares with Halifax shares ah with sh- I oh. think I can't remember what the options were, but basically you were contacted. Everyone was contacted with a private message, and you had to um, go with an action. Uh, uh, an action. And I chose to sell two hundred twenty-one yeah. of my two hundred twenty-two shares. Yeah, but I had to put in what I wanted to sell, and it could well be that if you chose not to. Reply that they sold your shares on your behalf. Maybe there was, a, there was a cutting off period for it as well, um, and I haven't gone to check mine actually to to make sure that it, it did go through as it was expected to. But um, 
the the closing date for the shares was a couple of days ago, actually, for most parties. I think it was the 7th or 8th of June. I think the Halifax was the 29th of May, but all brokers had a, another deadline. Um, and the 13th of June, the day we were recording this, was going to be the day that Disney announced um, what had happened as part of this uh, this tender offer that they had offered. Um, and until today, it they owned 87.7% of shares in Disneyland Paris. Now, I don't know if you remember, but the, the cut-off for the uh, potential takeover going ahead would be 95% uh, that need to reach. And it looked like they were going to fall short by quite some amount, if you know, 87%. But all brokers, such as like the Halifax, when they were selling their shares, they hadn't actually put them onto the market to go back. Um, so Disney announced today that they actually now own 97.08% of Euro Woo-hoo! Disney SCA. Um, and yes, it is a bit of a woohoo situation, depending on what side of the fence you sit. Um, I, I'm not personally, and I've said this before, I think this is the best possible outcome for the whole situation. Because what happens now is um, Disney can... Uh, the Walt Disney Company can apply to uh, the AMF, which is the uh, Financial Markets Regulator in France, um, and ask for a mandatory takeover, which means that they have to buy, not have to buy, that the owners of the remaining um, 2.98% of shares has to sell. Um, Including your one. Including my one, yes. Um, and they will buy those at the, the market rate of two euros a share, which is what everyone was being offered before the tender offer. Now, what would have happened had this not happened, had they got less than 95% of the shares, is that they would have probably had to have done another consolidation and made the shares even lower value than they were already. Um, so it's, it's the best outcome for a lot of people, I think, personally. More importantly, if this action is agreed um, and that will be known around about the 20th of June um, then Disney will completely own Euro Disney now nothing's going to happen overnight when that happens, we're not going to suddenly see a third gate open up or anything like that but what it will mean is effectively all the debt and everything like that will be wiped out because Disney will have to then own all of that um, and then I think over the next two to three years we're going to see some some changes I've been talking for five minutes on mute can, <laughs> why is Nick ignoring me I've got valid points here can, <laughs> well, let's, Nick. let's let's yeah I'm not that much of an arsehole I mean there are <laughs> there are certain people that will listen to this show and I'm not even going to name them they know who they are and will think I'm an arsehole it's fine but I'm not that much of an arsehole. So you've got some valid points, Greg. Well, I don't know if they're valid points because I don't know that much about Disneyland Paris. I don't even know if it's a real place. But You've been there, though. <laughs> oh, have I, though? Or, or was it a computer simulation? I don't know. Oh, anyway, my melon, man. I thought it was partially owned by the French government. Well, was this a myth? No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't a myth. But I believe that was all tied up into the shares. Um, 
And so the was, French government actually own shares. I think that's how it was played out. So at, at one stage, I think the share ownership was about 30% to the Walt Disney Company. Um, and, and then kind of split into different bits and pieces. Um, I mean, what this also means is that Prince uh, Waliad, who had been one of the saviors of Disneyland Paris, and um, him, his selling of, uh, I think, 9% of his shares um, kind of kicked off this revolution earlier on this year because they bought his shares out for him for two euros a share. Um, yeah, but he, he's got a really good theme tune. Has he? Prince Waliad, wonderful Ed, Waliad, Waliad. That is a fantastic theme tune and a future ringtone. So uh, <laughs> if you want to join us on Patreon, we will sell that ringtone for you for the price of some of $2. Uh, <laughs> we'll, get the, we'll get the music going and everything, it'll be great. Um, That's where you want a musical t-shirt, isn't it? That is where you want a musical t-shirt, or a musical badge. Oh, yeah. Oh. Or a Christmas card with the... Oh, beautiful open up the Christmas card and that plays yeah that is quite fantastic actually (laughs) um so yeah so 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 he won't have he won't be a uh, a shareholder anymore um it'll be owned by Disney but yeah I think uh, I mean the the original agreement that was signed in in 87 um I think that's kind of out the window now let's be honest um not not out the window in, in the sense of that but you know when you look at what um you know shares were well it Go back to the beginning, right? When shares first became available for Euro Disney, which I think was about eighty nine, they launched off the top of my head. Um, they they were worth about the equivalent of today's money, about fifteen euros a share. And, and people were encouraged to buy Disneyland Paris shares, sorry, Euro Disney shares, um, as a way of protecting their future investment. So. People were kind of encouraged to, you know, put all their pension money and stuff into the Euro Disney shares. That's crazy. It is because I mean they were so certain it was going to be a, a massive success, um, and there's lots of reasons for for why it it wasn't the hit that it was supposed to be, um, and it's it's there's no easy answer to it. I mean, there's lots of of reasons why. I mean, when the park first opened, for example, there was a bit of an economic downturn. Um, it also opened as most Disney parks do as a dry park, where you know France is a country where you can order a Stella Artois with your McDonald's yeah, um, yeah. and a glass of wine. Um, you know, to have no alcohol in the park was seen as a bit of an insult, to be honest, by locals. Um, so it didn't, it didn't start off with the best intentions, but, you know, Europe at that time of it opening um, was in a bit of a poor state. And, you know, it took a, a good few years for them to really start to be anywhere near a bit of success. Um, and, you know, things like the land price um, drastically... Um, went down to what it had been initially valued at in in certain people's eyes. So they were paying all this kind of compound interest and um, owned all this land, which was suddenly worth, uh, you know, apparently worth more than it had been bought for the other way around. And it, it got very complicated, and, you know, it's some of the reasons why Disney didn't really 
make any kind of profits. In fact, if you look at the years when Euro Disney announced they'd made profits, there was normally a reason behind it, such as Disney um, didn't claim their license fee money that year, which was worth millions. And that's another thing, you know, because Disney didn't own the park, everything's under license. So all the attractions are, you know, they pay royalties to the Disney company. So now they don't have to. Because they own the park. Yeah. Um, and there were people very against um, selling their shares because they felt that the share prices didn't reflect what the value of uh, was worth now they actually thought that because of things like the license uh, fees they were charging were too high that the shares were actually worth three euros 40 and there was a um a kind of team that were trying to get people not to sell their shares um but it's it's obviously not worked because enough people have sold their shares now so what does this mean in the immediate future uh, all right, do um, two years, five years, ten years. Two what years. Two years. I think we will see price increases. I also think we will see improvements around the park. So I'm talking bringing the parks up to scratch in comparison to other parks. Um. I mean, Chris, when was the last time you went to Disneyland Paris? Uh, about four years ago. Okay. And what did you think the state of the parks were like when you last went? Rough. Now, I've been to Disneyland Paris when you have, in terms of being able to walk around and say it looks rough. Mm. Um, and I've also been birthday years when the park is immaculate. And when the, when the park's immaculate and they've brought everything up to speed... It's my favourite looking Disney park. I think it's absolutely stunning. But you do see things more broken and, and run down and worn out there than you probably do in any other Disney park, except for possibly Shanghai. Time will see that one. Because yeah. <laughs> I guess it seemed to be a little bit rough and ready around there. Um, and that was due to you know lack of investment, lack of financial... Uh, profitability that that kind of thing wasn't wasn't happening so I, I think in the immediate two years Greg I think that's what we're going to see um, do you think in that two years there will be a major announcement that will shake you to the very core of your fandom what <laughs> what possible kind of announcement could you see well uh, I think they've got to spend the way out of this malaise that they're in so it's got to be an expansion of the hotel network and it's got to be a, a third gate. doesn't need, it does not need any more hotels. So you think a third gate wouldn't wa- warrant two signature hotels for, for that gate? It's almost got, as you know, if you look at Disneyland Paris compared to Walt Disney World, how many, how many hotels do you have on Walt Disney World property? Oh God, about... 20? No, you haven't got 20. I don't don't think there's 20. I think there's about 15 or so. Disneyland Paris has got uh, Cheyenne, Santa Fe, Sequoia Lodge, Newport Bay, um, New York, Disneyland Hotel, 
Am I missing one? I think that's it. Oh, uh, David Crockett Lodge. That's seven um, hotels that it's got, right? Okay, right. And, and, the, and um, yeah. one of the biggest hotels in Europe as well. Of the 34 resorts and hotels on the Walt Disney World property, 28 are owned and operated by Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. So they've got 34 hotels on property. 34 hotels? Yes. Can't be that many, surely. That's got to include like different parts, like art of animation being split up into three sections, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would be. Yeah, that's not yeah. 34 actual hotels. And also, you do have things like Swan, Swan Dolphin. So, you know, so that that's the Disney that's the Disney hotels. Then you've got the Explorers, the Magic Circus, the B and B. Um, so it's got about. I think I think on Disney property, I think there's ten hotels that you've got. Now you look at the size of Disneyland Paris compared to. Um, Walt Disney World. Disneyland Paris is more like California in terms of size. Now, California's got two hotels? Was it three hotels? California's got three hotels. Right. It used to have one hotel, didn't it, back in the day? Yeah. Three hotels now. So It's got three Disney hotels. Yeah. I know there's lots in the vicinity, but it's free yeah. on-property hotels. So Disneyland Paris already has four more Disney-branded hotels on property and has a further three hotels still in Disney property that are partner hotels. And then you've got Marne Laval down the road, which is a town that they owned. I still think they, they owned some of it. Um, and actually, they don't own the town, they sell a shopping center. But there's hotels there as well. And it's one stop away on the tube or a shuttle bus, which of which there's plenty. So I, I don't think Disney needs uh, any more hotels. The hotels run at about average 80% occupancy, which is really good anyway. But I don't think hotels is what it needs. Does it need a third gate? Yes. And, you know, as part of the original plans, um, 2022 was a deadline for that. Now, I would imagine when they um, put in to apply for full takeover, they will have to continue with the original plans. In the same way... That if you're a shareholder, uh, if you're a member of the shareholders club, and Craig, can you remember how many shares you had? Twenty, and we did that four years ago to get in the um, the shareholders club. And did you did you reapply? No, because they put it up to I think it was a hundred mm. shares at that mm. point. Just after we got ours, we got in there with with days to spare, basically. Right. Yeah, so I still had 222, and my card was guaranteed for another 10 years um, yeah. because, of, because of this process. So I'm still going to have that, thankfully. And that's the thing. Like I worked, I was talking to uh, my wife. Uh, Your wife? Early, and um, I, she said, like, well, how much are you, you going to get back? I said, about, about 400 or pound. 
And so what I could do on it, I said, it is, except if you look in, at the entire investment I've put in over the last seven or eight years of being a Disney shareholder, I've probably like, spent about six fifty, seven hundred pounds on Disney shares all in all. Um, but at the same time, because of getting that discount um, and being able to buy cheap tickets and saving money on food and everything like that, I'm probably about even, if I'm honest. And to have that for a further ten years, I will I will get some money back on it. So it's it's not it's not the worst news. Well, do you get you do get discounts? Is it ten percent in the shops or fifteen, twenty? Uh in the shops it's ten. In restaurants it's fifteen. And I, I believe can, it's fifteen on tickets, or is it twenty on tickets? I can't remember. I can remember that being a pain in the arse in the shops. Because you'd get your shareholders um, card out and he wouldn't know what to do to member of staff and there was a lot of to and fro and getting managers and coming over and authorising this and authorising that and in the end yeah yeah that was four years ago when I had that Hi, mate. I've never ever had an issue I, I mean quite often I'll have to call over a manager um, but I never had a problem using it and in fact it's the same if I use it in a Disney store in the UK um, most of the people in the U- in Disney stores in the UK, um, which uh, apparently um, it, it's it, it's never really been confirmed. Like when you join the shareholders club, it says you get ten percent off in Disney stores in France, but it doesn't explicitly say in the UK. Um, but uh, you know, as part of their mandate, they do accept it in the UK and will continue to accept it in the UK. Apparently, um, I used mine just last week. Um, and that and that should still continue, uh, but no, I've never I've never had a, an issue with it actually. That's that's quite surprising. Well, the, I I class bringing a manager over for every single transaction as an issue, and we had that on numerous occasions. But that's the same anyway. I mean, if I would use my discount when I used to work at a famous orange supermarket, if I wanted to use my discount card, quite often um, they'd have to get a manager to come over. It depends on the level of responsibility of the person that's serving you, but if they're not a, like a supervisor level, they'd have to call over a manager. Never yeah, a problem. Uh, but in, you know, in restaurants, it was even easier because you just give it to them when they you were going to get your bill and they'd run it through the till and you get your receipt back with your discount. So um, it was fine. But yeah, I, I think we will see a third gate. And if that third gate isn't Marvel, I will be completely shocked. It's got to be Marvel and Star Wars, maybe? I don't think it needs Star Wars because I think they've got land behind Discoveryland to to further expand. And when you've already got Star Tours, Jedi Training Academy, Hyperspace Mountain, for however long that's going to be there for, I think opening up a third gate and sticking Star Wars in there doesn't make any sense. Without ripping yeah, out all of those attractions, I don't think they'd have to, though, would they? Because they put, they've got Toy Story Land in Walt Disney World, and then you've got Buzz Lightyear's, and they've got um, Toy Story Midway Mania. Is that getting absorbed into Toy Story Land, or is it still its own thing? What Toy Story Mania? Yeah, yeah. I think it's its own thing, but it's it's right near Toy Story Toy Story Land, so. You know. If if they were to announce that the, the same Star Wars lands that they're putting in in America, they were doing in Paris, in the new Third Gate. 
next to Marvel. Huge shit, your knickers, surely. If they if they announced that they were opening a Marvel and Star Wars third gate, yes, I would. Yeah, I mean, the thing no is, arguments there. No, no, not at all. And I, I mean, the only thing, I mean, you know, the rumors are that um, the first Marvel attraction is going to go into the studios next year, where uh, Cinemagique was, um, and that still might be the case, but. What they've the advantages they've got in Paris, which they don't have in America, is the fact that they've got creative license to use Marvel. Could they not put another Epcot in? Um, Would that not work? Would that not open it up to food and wine festivals and flower and garden festivals? And do you do you need to open up Epcot to do that? Could you not just do a food and movies festival in the studios? The studios is poo. Exactly, let's improve it. Sticking a sausage roll on a stick isn't going to improve that that freaking car crash of a theme park. M- Americans call that corn dogs, I'm led to believe. <laughs> is anyone eating a corn dog? Yeah. It's food of the gods we eat. Really? Ripley? What do you think? Rippers. Is he, is he, oh, sorry, I was on mute as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I reckon he's on a crate. No, he's on scare zone. <laughs> Double dipping. Corn dog. I've had a corn dog. Yeah, I would not recommend it. There oh, the so. nice man. Oh, no. <laughs> Craig, Craig's a scouser. I mean, the food they eat up there is. is... All right, what's um, tangent time? What is your go to? Do you know when you land in America? Yep. And you get off that plane and you're driving and you go into Walmart. What is your go-to snack? Or, or you go into anywhere. You're on the way out of that airport. You're going wherever you're going. You pull over. What are you getting? Hmm. If I was um, driving a car, Popeye's chicken. Popeye's chicken, yeah, okay. Absolutely love it. Chris? Mm, probably, oh, I don't know, maybe Chick-fil-A. Oh, you see, I'm a simple guy. I'm boneless wings from Walmart. Whoever invented them, they need freaking nighting. A great big <laughs> giant cup of boneless wings. You don't even have to spit the bones out because there's no bones in them. But I thought boneless wings were just essentially chicken bites. They're not proper no. wings. Are they proper wings? Well, they, they sure do feel like them when you put them in your gob. I need to try these out. Oh, get me to America. Um, or, or Wendy's, that's my other go-to. Because Wendy's oh. used to be my favourite fast food restaurant in the UK. Yeah, it was. I do miss Wendy's a lot. I'm glad Taco Bell's back again, but you know, if I had, if it was a toss-up between having Taco Bell over here or Wendy's, I'd take Wendy's. Oh, my God. Taco Bell, that's Walt Flanagan's favourite uh, restaurant, isn't it? No, nah, it's Denny's. Oh, it's Denny's, it's so yeah. so blue colour. Bloody Denny's. Oh, Denny's, la. Oh, Jesus. How played is that place? But yeah, so I mean, I, I think a Marvel and possibly Star Wars Third Gate would be majestic, as Craig would say. Um, but I, I think we could be hearing about that. I think, as I said, I think that the first two years will be a bit quiet, but I think the five-year plan is, is very exciting. And ten-year plan, Craig... Yeah. 10-year um, plan, I think we're going to see quite a few new attractions. 
replacing and a, old attractions. And a third, obviously, the third gate up and running, functioning. Yeah. I'm on a, a, go on. Well, Nick, you'll know, didn't they say originally that the third gate was going to be some kind of like centre parks thing? No, that is opening up this summer. Uh, so could they not class that as the third gate? <laughs> I, I don't think that they didn't try and pass that off as a third gate. Because it, although they've not built it and they're not running it, it's still on the land that they bought to do Disneyland. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a bit odd because it's it's near. Looking at the map of it, it's actually near Davy Crockett, which is actually quite far away from anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, there's no Disney theming in this place at all. So the whole idea of it is it's going to encourage people that would normally go to centre parks to go there because it's new and it's you know in a, in a different part but because you're so close to the magic you're going to go and spend a couple of days going to Disneyland as well that's the plan um, and we'll find out in a few months time I think it's opening up next month or August or something it's opening up very soon um, but no they, they, they have a deadline to build to start groundwork on a third gate have they ever had DB23 over there? They have not, and... Oh, it's I, not DB23, is it? That was D, the failed D, D, Disney Brit uh, <laughs> rip-off. D23. D23. Um, I personally, I don't think they would ever host it outside of Europe. Outside of America? Sorry, outside of America. I, But that's not to say they wouldn't do their own... Yeah, but haven't they done it in um, Tokyo or somewhere yes, over there? But I think that was a separate one. So what I'm saying is that's not to say they wouldn't do a D23, but I don't think it would stop them doing a D23 in America. Didn't like, they do a mini one in um, Shanghai or somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they did. I think I think it was I think it was Tokyo. But, Tokyo, um, yeah, yeah. I think because don't they do D23 every two years? I think so. So I think it yeah. may have been in between years. There's yeah. one coming up now, isn't there? Yes, I think there's one this summer. Yes, there is There is one this summer, yeah. Um, Could they announce something that quickly at D23? Because now, basically, Disneyland Paris is part of the Disney family, officially. Well, it's not. It's not. That's, that's the thing. I mean, it is on a knife edge. I well, don't how, think... How's it... You've got ninety-seven percent of the shares, but they still have to apply it to the regulator that it's a mandatory buyout. So it could well be the case that on the twentieth of June, their response back from the AMF, um, not to be confused, of course, with the uh, EMF group, the EMF, ELF, uh, was it ELF, KLF? Oh my God, so abbreviations. Um, e- EMF were the. The things you say, the things you say, oh, you're unbelievable. That's my text alert. <laughs> Chris Ripley playing the banjo with his mouth. That's amazing. Um, so, I mean, there's every chance that they could own 97.8% of Disneyland Paris. Uh, and be denied to complete ownership. But let's be honest, with with that amount of share, 
they will push for anything they want to anyway. I don't think the AMF will uh, will do it. I mean, there was a you know there were people trying to take them to court, uh, take you know the Walt Disney Company to court about the shares uh, and the process and uh, the fees and everything like that. But, but I don't but think it's going anywhere. They are justified and they are ancient. Auntie, I, 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 I can't see it not going their way. To be honest, I really. Oh can't. no, sorry, that's KLF. <laughs> we're justified and we're ancient. You know what? And we drive Amanda's... an ice cream van. A man who's not in this call, and even she would be turning at these references to eighties music. She will... But Chris um... knows where I'm going. Where I'm going. <laughs> Yeah. We're, we're all pandering to you, Craig. Yeah, no beef one. curtains. <laughs> Stop with the beef curtains! Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I can't. I said I can't see it going either way. I think it will go Disney's way. I think it will be going through, and I do think it's the best possible outcome because they will. Ha- but the thing is, they have to make it a success. And it's, I think a lot I, of the reason it's not been a success is down to them, if I'm honest. I was there in February, and there's just something missing. It's beautiful, it's brilliant, but it's just not quite. That, Like I've said in the past... That's going to be on my headstone, by the way. Yeah, it's big and it's beautiful. And, but there's something missing. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they work at Disneyland Paris because it's a job. I think there's mm. a very, there's very few of them who have got the Disney magic in them. But you know, there has been times when you could argue that wasn't the case, and that could be down to the management. Well, it, it is down to the management. I mean, sometimes uh, I mean, you know, having done this research for the book that I'm doing, there are um, there've been times in history where um, people that you know they were cutting staff left, right, and centre. Um, in order to cut costs, but what they were doing is then putting pressure on the people that were left to do more work. And, you know, they were basically saying, we're being stretched. And there was a period of time when um, you had people committing suicide. Which doesn't sound very magical. Um, And there was a pattern emerging. Um, You know, these people were working with Disney, were working longer hours, were not being listened to. Uh, felt they weren't being appreciated and felt that was the only way out. And, you know, Disney had to come out and make a statement to say that, you know, we realise things have to change. So there are there are times when you probably didn't feel, you probably felt that magic and times you didn't. I mean, I, yes, I was young, but when I went, when it first opened, a few months after it first opened, it felt like the most magical place in the world. When I went back a few years afterwards, um, it didn't feel quite as magical. And maybe that's me looking back through rose-tinted glasses because I was quite young. Um, but maybe there was something to it. Maybe there was something more, more sinister there. And, you know, I, I think that Disney had so much say in what was being done and how things were being done. If it's now their ship to sail, they're going to have to make it a Disney park. There's no two ways about it. It has to become a Disney park and it has to have that same kind of magic that all the other parks do. 
it can't just be some of the cast members are you know in it for the love it has to be they're all in it for the love yeah but the problem with Disneyland Paris is that it's in France yes but who's in the bath that was me drinking (laughs) um and you're right you're right Chris but you know you know Itchy Scratchy Land. My children <laughs> need wine. Euro, Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land was a disaster. We all saw that unfold. Um, but I, I think, you know, Disneyland employs people from all over Europe. You know, you do get, like you do in, in, in Walt Disney World, you do get quite a few English cast members. You get them from all over Europe. So you can't even just turn around and say, oh, well, you know, it's the stereotypical French not wanting to play ball. Because I've I've encountered many French cast members who could have been in, in Disney World. But I've also encountered cast members from other parts of the world that you think, this is clearly a job. Mm. And you're just going through the motions. Um, they've got their How work fun. out, but... Sorry, How come, right? When you're in Disneyland Paris, How come they were only supposed to blow, to blow the bloody, the bloody doors, doors off? off? Right, you're in your hotel room, and you pick up the phone, and you dial the concierge because you want to book um, Blue Lagoon dining room. You are so posh. I phoned up the concierge. <laughs> Every hotel has a concierge. How yes, else are you, you going to book it? No, no, I, mem- I, remember, I remember that Michael Jackson film. You're right. Michael so Fox film. You, you pick it up and the phone goes, uh, Bonjour, concierge. And then you say, as an English person, Parlez-vous français? And then they go, Yes, I do speak English. <laughs> <laughs> because they know. They know that Every you know, single even time. if you're trying to speak French. I... I've got a very limited French and I'm trying to pick it up. Um, but on the times when I've tried to speak French to a cast member, they have obviously seen it is a poor Englishman attempting French and have just taken pity on me and just started talking to me in English. But that's fine. That's completely fine because... <laughs> it happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, the thing is, is that what I've, what I've understood with... Uh, and this is more aimed at French cast members than any other nationality, so I get where people have issues. But um, I find that if you attempt to try and (laughs) put it away, stop playing your pink flute, if you at least try and attempt to speak some French, they are more reciprocative to you, and they they will take pity on you. They will say pity on you. Now, you made a, 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 good, a good comment there, Chris. I can't believe that you're still playing that pink flute. Um, <laughs> as bad as he is as well. Um, about dining reservations. So do you find it incredibly hard to put dining at Disneyland Paris? <laughs> I well, at least, at least he's finished. I believe that was him blowing his top. Um, so what I was saying, and Craig, this can now go to you as well, but Chris's comment now about throwing out the concierge about dining oh, is oh. is clearly um, dining appears to be an issue in Disneyland Paris. Well, I did 
we got some sort of poison with Disneyland Paris I, when we. We're not talking food, Craig. Yeah. We're not talking food, and also the neurovirus. It seems to be following a lot of people around in both Disneyland Paris and Magic Kingdom at the moment. The last time I went, I got the neurovirus at Disneyland Paris. Hmm. True I th- story. I think I think it's just a, a, a banging of theme parks to be honest, because I know a lot of people that went to Orlando in the last twelve months that had it at various points of their trip. I think it's just the nature of being in a theme park, really, is that those kind of things do get banded about. But what I'm trying to get at is not the, the food itself, but is the ability to book dining. So, Chris, in your in your case, oh, well, yeah, booking yeah, dining yeah. was a nightmare, yeah? Well, back when I last went, that yeah. was really the only way you could book dining unless you walked up to the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So. I once... Phoned, so uh, we went to Disneyland Paris as our mini moon when we got married because we was going to Orlando the following year's part of our one year anniversary as our full honeymoon. So we went to Disneyland Paris for about four days and I booked Cafe Mickey character dining and I had to phone the restaurant direct and it was a, a complete palaver. It really was a palaver, like, you know. I had to call from the UK a French number and eventually got through to somebody. There was no kind of central reservation. You had, as you say, you had to speak to the restaurant directly. Um, so I would like to think that if this all goes through as it should do, that we will start to see more of the same systems that are used in other Disney parks. I, I just can't believe how backwards it is. We had the same issue all our reservations were done over the phone and it was a very polite lovely lady don't get me wrong but it's like living in 1989 yeah <laughs> i you know i'm um, i'm doing adrs 180 days out the thing is if they were to give some sort of dining plan i know they do give a dining plan but it's again it's antiquated it's a paper dining plan where you hand over little vouchers and all that drama um, I would. I want to book my my meals, hundred and eighty days out or sixty days out, whatever they feel is acceptable. I want to give them my money, but when you're walking up to hotels and Disney uh, restaurants in Disneyland Paris and you're saying I'd like a table for four, and they're going, it's an hour wait because we don't take reservations. You just yeah. end up going to uh, McDonald's or you, you, you don't seem capable. Or competent enough to take your money. Mm. They're missing a trick big time. And that's yeah. what I mean. I, I think they need to bring, and now they can bring all this stuff in. I don't think we'll see Fast Pass Plus. I don't think we'll see Magic Bands. Um, I mean, you know, have they, they haven't put those out anywhere else yet, have they? Magic Bands. The, tri- the trial and a paid um, version in. Disneyland, aren't they at the moment? Yeah, yeah, in California. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean is, is that what Magic Bands launched four years ago, three years ago. Um, twenty fourteen, we had them. Fourteen, yeah. yeah. So, so even if that was the first year, that's three years ago. And the fact that they have not re- they've not rolled that out globally to me speaks volumes, especially with how much it apparently cost to set up the first park in the first place to do it. Um. So I don't, I don't see that necessarily changing, but I think they need to 
start looking at how they do things like dining reservations because the system at the moment doesn't work it's just it's just it's going against them they're swimming upstream all the time I think they should roll out Fastpass Plus I really do I think they should implement it across the board I think it would be for the good of the company can I tell you the other main gripe that I have now I live in Kent which for our American listeners is literally I can see France from my house it's, it's England's uh, garden, isn't it? It is the garden of England. I can literally touch France. If I go, if I drive to Dover, my phone goes onto the French mobile network. That is how close to France I am. But for me to jump on a train in Ashford, which is just down the road, and go to Euro Disney, uh, sorry Disneyland Paris, I can't really do it in a day. The train times don't really allow, and the cost is so prohibitive. I want to do a day trip to Disneyland Paris, but instead I'll go to central London or I'll go to, you know, something else. I disagree, though. That comes down to knowledge. Because if you, if you, if you wanted to do that tomorrow, because mm. if, you, if you want a Eurostar now and try to do that for tomorrow, you would be looking at a ridiculous price to go. Completely agree. If you were looking, and they do sales every couple of months, for normally, yeah. like, you know, four months in advance or whatever it is, I've been able to get Disneyland Paris um, from, and I always go from Ebbsfleet. That's my yeah. personal choice, right? We go from Ebbsfleet. We can get um, two adults return to Ebbsfleet four days, whatever it is, duration we normally go for, um, for about uh, cheapest I think we've got is about £130 return. But that must have been on really prohibitive trains. No. That's not getting you there for rope drop. It's still you not a day trip, though, is it? You can't get there for... Well, you can't get there for rope drop if you go direct. That's the thing, right? So what that means is that's getting a train to Paris or Lille and changing. If you go to Lille, you get on the TGV, um, and that was included in our price. The other way of doing it is you get a train directly to Paris, which we've also done... And then you get on the tube for about 40 minutes at the cost of about uh, about 13 euros, I think. I've got that's, a lot of faffing about. That's Eurostar's fault. That's purely Eurostar's fault because coming from a, a railway background, all the train operating companies pay for access, for the track access. Hmm. So if Eurostar wanted to be a bit more aggressive... They could pay for the access for direct trains to stop at Disneyland Paris, but, but they well, won't. But, but Disneyland Paris is the end of the line. Well, okay. So the thing is, they do have direct trains, but the basically the they only look. They've been running one direct train there, one direct train back for years, and there's a reason yeah, yeah. for that because well, they don't feel the demands there. The ones I went on in February were full both directions. Every seat was full on both trains. So surely, if it was priced correctly, you could be on a train at five o'clock in the morning. But if 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 so, Chris, if you got a train at five o'clock in the morning, you wouldn't get one direct, but you would still be in Disneyland Paris by eight o'clock, even with having to change the train in Paris or Lille. But even I think even booking that 
60 days out, eight, whatever Eurostar allow, that would be a prohibitive train because you, you're travelling in the peak. That's where the business people who live in London and work in Paris, they will be getting that train and they'll be paying £300 each way. Quite possibly. But, I mean, I've never... It's never been... I've never found it to be a, a problem for us to go away. Um, so, so th- this is the idea. So, I've, I've picked a wet Tuesday in the middle of September. Mm-hmm. The train leaves at 7.25 from Ashford. Yep. R- rolls in just after midday. So it's a three-hour, 42-minute journey. You've got one change. Mm-hmm. That's 38 quid. Yep. Which, you know, it's not bad. That's just going, though. Yep. Uh, and then coming back, it's 60 quid. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to get on the train at 3 o'clock. Sorry, 4 o'clock. Uh, and then you'll be back at half past 5. So, do you see what I mean? That only gives me 3 hours and 45 minutes in the park. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that comes down to the availability. I mean, most... If you get... I think the direct train... I know that's not a direct train on the way back. But I think the direct train normally leaves about half past four we normally get an indirect train at seven o'clock um because it's less busy and we'll be back in london or our fleet at about nine half nine after you know time goes back and everything um so and what day was that was that a tuesday or do you say that was a tuesday yeah. i'm looking at a thursday now some da- some days are, are better than others but <laughs> Ooh. Apologies oh. for the. Uh, Go on, Lee. get him. Lee. Put, put your knob away. Get down. <laughs> it's got Chappy on his ball, sir. He does that every time a dog walks past the house. He's so protective <laughs> of the house, it's ridiculous. There's only me and him here. He's not going to protect anyone. He's an absolute pussycat disguised as a dog. Um, but, you know, I you. As long as you're kind of, if you're flexible, but if you're there when they the, first, the seats first go on sale, when they announce the sale, you can get so much availability. If you want to go direct, if you don't want to flab about, yes, you are completely restricted. Um, I've got a friend who will only go direct, and she will go to the park for three hours, and then that's fine. That to me is completely crazy. I would much rather, like you, get a train early in the morning, have a little kip on the train get into Disneyland Paris about 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, have a full day there, um, depending on the time of year, leave after the fireworks. If it's the summer, you're, you're probably not going to get a train back that late. Um, but you don't ha- you're don't you not restricted to those times. If you're flexible, if you don't mind either change, going to Paris or changing at Lille, then actually you've got quite a lot of flexibility there. So if I went to London, it's the same thing. I'd, I'd roll up at midday. Mm. But then I could get the 6.52 train. So I could have six hours and 52 minutes in the park. Which, on a Saturday as well, you're looking at, you know, about 100 quid each way. Yes. Yeah, so- I know, obviously, there'll be deals and there's sales that come and go. But that's still only six hours, effectively, in the theme park. Yeah, I, w- I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't do. It. I wouldn't go for six hours. I would go. As I said I would look when the, the sales first go on because I think they. I think the tickets for trains go on about six months in advance anyway. 
So that's when you kind of get your pick of all the trains that day. And they do run quite a lot of trains that, you know, during the day from different, from different locations. I mean, I think, I think there's less trains from Ashford. Do you, know if, do you know if Disney took the the Magical Express from uh, Walt Disney World and sponsored a Eurostar train to get you there direct from London mm. for rope drop and then a return train after park closing, an hour after park closing? Sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah. Let's take let's, my money. Let's suggest it to Eurostar is what I say. Because you know, call it the Magical that. Express because they do call that direct train something because they have well, Disney representatives on it. They also, uh, if you with the direct trains, you can have. I think they call it Magical Express actually, which is yeah. about forty. I think because uh, the wife and mother-in-law did it earlier this year. I think it cost them about another forty pounds on top of their trip. But what that did is it meant when they got there. Their luggage was taken directly to their hotel. They had their park tickets waiting for them, and they were able to go straight to the park. So, yeah, because they hand out the park tickets and stuff yes. on the train. Yes. So that is something they offer on the direct trains, which you don't get on the others. But if you're just going for the day, you wouldn't need that, obviously, anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at standard Eurostar prices, it's definitely not a one... You know, you wouldn't go for the day. It's just too much money. But if you if they were... said to you, you've got a return journey, park admission for the two parks for one day, three hundred quid. No. From London back to London. What per person? Well, yeah, okay. No, per not... well, all right, two family of four. Yeah. Two adults and children. Yeah, I'd do that. I don't think they'd well they'd do kids for free or something like that. I don't know exactly. So that you know that's that's how they do it. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's ways they could they could improve things in in terms of that. But I mean, to be honest, if it was up to me, I would drive. The only reason we don't do that is because I don't drive. But if <laughs> I when I when I do finish my driving lessons and I am able to drive, I would rather take the Euro tunnel across especially now that the kid you know because we've been lucky up till now and that the kids could sit in your lap now the kids are getting to an age where they can't sit in your lap I think the official cut off is four but <coughs> I think a lot of that comes down to weight as well um, in terms of how you want people to sit in your lap for that amount of hours but when you've got uh, a few of you going you can get the Euro tunnel for again if you book in advance about £29 to £59 each way um, I think the tolls are about €20 Euros on top but it's a three hour drive once you get over the other side that's a freaking drive that lad not, do, I'm not talking about for a day trip <laughs> do the ferries go all night long yes and, and, oh, the, Euro, and the Euro tunnel uh, does as well so and the Euro deal. Yeah, yeah, but you might get murdered on that. <laughs> on the Euro tunnel? Yeah, have you not seen the tunnel? <laughs> Why would you get murdered? TV mur- show? I haven't actually, no. But you now sure? I know, we, I know good. what you're talking about. Yes. There's a third series being filmed at the moment. Blimey. It's turning some Midsummer Murders down there. Um, 
<laughs> but no, if I was if I was going for, I wouldn't do it for a day. But if I was going for our, our usual four day trip or whatever to, to Disneyland Paris, I'd do that. I'd do that. Like you know, all in, you're looking at with tolls as well. What about sixty quid each way plus your petrol? Call it. A How many hours from Calais? Three hours. Yeah, it's not too bad, is it? And I mean, there's nothing see... stopping you staying at like a Formula One hotel or whatever, or uh, like an Ibis or something for like another, you know, 40, 50 euros on top. If you wanted Don't to you think, though, Disney World are very, very good at maxing out their hotels with events? You know, there's always a, a new event coming up, the marathon or whatever. Um, the cheerleading season, when does that kick in? You know, and then they have the band season, don't they, where all the bands go down for competitions well, and all that. That's, I don't think that's necessarily them. You know, yes, they do, but then that's a cultural thing. Europe doesn't really have cheerleading squads. It doesn't have... No, no, but they could do football tournaments there, soccer tournaments, you know, the, and football teams from all Europe converge on, on Disneyland Paris. You know, and, the, and this is, you know what? These are all things that maybe under Disney ownership we could see, because they're obviously smart to what they could do. Now, I mean, one thing they are very good at is is getting uh, companies to use their conferencing facilities. Those yeah. tents they have are quite often used throughout the year for different corporate events, so they're not obviously not against it. But you're right in that they could be missing a trick with maximising that kind of stuff. You know, put their version, a smaller version of ESPN Sports in. You know, you've got rugby played all across Europe. You've got football played all across Europe. A million other sports, whatever you want. Just, I just well, think there it's... Was, there was supposed to be, a man, I think it was a Manchester United Football Academy. Or something opening up on yeah, I don't you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, yeah. anything. Yeah, I could have like a little tournament now of uh, big football teams, like they do with like the Emirates Cup or something stupid like that. What was that? Are you on the bog? <laughs> I'm drinking. God's sake, man! You're draining the Python, Nicholas. I'm drinking out the bottle. Is that why the dog was barking? <laughs> Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> I'll tell you what, since I told him off, he's looking very forlorn on the floor. <laughs> he's not even looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty Flynn. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think and I hope that if this all goes through, we will see some of those changes. I think Disney should be able to look at the last 25 years of operations and go, right, what have we done well? Because they have done some, some stuff well. There have been successes there as well. But what can we now do to improve things even more? And I think that they have potentially been holding back on things for that reason. Because they don't want to play all their hands. I, don't, I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think in, in ways they were setting it up in certain areas too foul because then it gave them more uh, opportunity to kind of come in and save it do you think 
Well, the licensing thing is is definitely one thing that people have always pointed out was what was what was wrong with the deal in the first place. The fact that basically here we are, we're invest, you know, we're going to build this European Disney theme park. By the way, you have to pay us a fee for every character and everything that you do. Does that not scream yeah. out as something a bit odd? You're basically paying the people that own some of what they're building and the whole concept of it. Look, when they almost went bankrupt in 95, if Disney weren't able to save the park, and I mean, let's be honest, were, were they ever going to let it die? Probably not. But if they did, if the unforeseen happened, all the debt was owned by the government and the banks. They would have been left with a theme park which they would then not have the licenses to use anything for. So Sleeping Beauty's Castle would have had to be painted a different colour and be called something else. Snow White's Scary Adventure would have to have been rethemed as something else. It's a Small World would have had to have been themed as something else. There'd have been nothing left of Disney. You'd have just had a theme park that had attractions in it with, with you know, entirely new stories. And surely the reason that people go to a Disney park is to experience Disney. So that would that had that have happened, and it came close. Had that have happened, that theme park would have lasted six months. Yeah, definitely. But do you see what I mean? Like, and and that's why, and, that, and this is another interesting thing. This is why the Disney hotels didn't have any theming. And yet, in the last ten years, we've had the Santa Fe turn into a Cars themed hotel, and the Cheyenne is just refurbished to be a Toy Story themed hotel do you think now they can potentially roll out overlays full proper overlays not stick on overlays like what they've done now to what to the hotels give them a proper i i think they might do with some of them um i mean you know they're doing some more refurbishments at the moment and i think that that's that's a possibility with the ones they haven't started the refurbs on. Um, but they, they may continue not to be. Because let's be honest. Look at Disney World. Most of those hotels don't have Disney theming, do they? But you have Pop Century. You have Art of Animation. You have All Star Results. And they do have Disney theming. But Animal Kingdom Lodges don't. Yeah, or right. Saratoga Springs. So... I I don't think we'll see overlays everywhere, but I think that was the start of them going. We need to theme a bit more to Disney. Well, good on them. I think it's got a lot of problems that it needs to fix, but I think it knows what those problems are, and I think this is just the, you know, the beginning of everything. If they now own it. They can do what they want, when they want, with their own money, and actually invest in it and grow and actually turn it into a profit-making business for a change. And as I've said, you know, the debt that was owed to Disneyland Paris is the equivalent of another Star Wars film. Yeah. So, you know, pretty much. I I think the debt was around about one and a half billion at the moment. Something around that kind of figure. So, you know, once that's that's done everything's profit isn't it surely from uh, from the day they're given the green light then 
the next day is a profit day, isn't it? If that debt disappears. That's what I mean. Yeah. But, I can't I mean, wait. If, if we're wrong, uh, please feel free to correct us because we do like being proved that we don't know what we're talking about, even though we've just spent the last hour or so doing just that. Yeah, definitely. Get on our Facebook page, get on our Twitter, drop us an email, disafterdark at gmail.com. Boom. Of which you, a lot of people have been doing so after Universe After Dark dropped. So we do know you're out there listening, so thank you. Uh, and, and please feel free to contact us. Yeah, thank you for all the questions we got on Universal After Dark. <laughs> Universal After Dark, which is just out now, or could drop last night, is this week's episode has been the fastest down- downloaded and most downloaded episode. It's only been out 12 hours. So I'd yeah, argue brilliant. that was because of the content. When you Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was because of the friggin' intro. <laughs> <laughs> Best intro ever. Yeah, absolutely. Best. Best intro this week. Um, Craig, you had a story that you wanted to talk about. My, mine is is insignificant. All it was was um, Hallow Wishes and the Christmas version of Hallow Wishes, whatever it's called, has been announced officially that they will be happening this year. At, at the two parties, so you're not going to. They're not going away. You can still see wishes in some context this year. So that that's all my story was. That's pretty big news, though, isn't it? If you're a fan of them things, I've never seen Hallow Wishes. I will be this year in August. Hallow <laughs> Wishes is pretty damn good. Yeah, I really like yeah. Hallow Wishes. That's one bucket list item done. I've just got to try and get there now for uh, November so I can do Christmas. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be possible. Sure. Yeah, one day, one day. Attention, low battery. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, that's my phone. Don't worry, it's not going to affect the record. Um, so, was there anything from you, Mr. Ripley? Uh, no. <laughs> Go and buy my book. You complete set up. Well, that is what happens. Um, yeah, I did wonder. Poor, poor Mr. Ripley with our Disneyland Paris special. He's his most favourite subject. Yes, I love Disneyland Paris. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> but I, mean, I, to... I generally loved it as a child when it first opened, mm. and then when I went back as an adult, I thought they haven't done any maintenance since I left as a child. It's so and funny. it just it just felt so run down and so untidy and unloved basically yeah yeah i think you, i think you was unfortunate not going during a birthday year because we went one year we went in 2011 and there was so many things broken and so many things that needed like a lick of paint and then we went a few months after the birthday celebration and it was like going to a brand new park it's fascinating yeah. um but uh yeah what did your um did you did you happen to go with your lady uh, it was the lady's predecessor. <gasps> the one we do not speak of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Neither list though, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say, we don't care for her opinion then. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> the nickname we refer to her is Beef Curtains. <gasps> <gasps> Again. <laughs> <laughs> Beef Curtains. 
think the dog's just bit his pecker there. Oh, it's just, it's just that it's just that word. We we should do a uh, you know like at the end of Sesame Street where they go you know, and today's show was sponsored by the word curtains. <laughs> I do I do think of uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse more when I think of magic words. Curtains—that's the word of the day. I was oh. with the frog. Yeah, Pee Wee Herman and Kermit the Frog are pretty much the same person. He'd be basically um, pig curtains, or wouldn't he? Poor curtains. <laughs> you do, you do know Disney fact for you that mm. Pee Wee Herman was uh, also the voice of Captain Rex in Star Tours. No didn't way! He get, didn't he get done for jacking it in some cinema? I never understand that, right? Because basically, he was tossing one off in a porno cinema. <laughs> I don't really... Un- I mean, I've not been to oh, one. Look, look at those ladies on the screen there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've never been... I've never been in one, but I used to work in Soho, so I'd walk past them constantly. They're no, they're no longer a thing in Soho. Soho is so boring now. Um, oh, there must have been a constant whiff of um, grapefruit and bleach. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. Um, again, never. Well, that's what they were for, wasn't it, back in the day? Pretty much. I don't see. The problem was is that at that time, Pee Wee, although the, although Pee Wee's Playhouse had finished, it was still shown on uh, on reruns. So that's why it was a bit of a scandal. But um, yeah, I feel sorry for Paul Rubens. Um, His new film on Netflix is bloody brilliant. That Pee Wee's Holiday is brilliant. Yeah, completely agree. And the de aging they do in that film is stunning. Because yeah. it looks like he hasn't aged. I mean, they spent. I think they, the majority of that budget was spent on editing his face, but it it worked. It worked bloody well. I thought it was just polyfiller. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was completely edited in post production to make him wow. look young. But I also saw his Pee Wee's Playhouse stage show revival that he did about two years before the film, and even that was was pretty damn good. Perhaps but, the so. cinema saw his Pee Wee, and that's why he got thrown out <laughs> and arrested. Do you think he calls his Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> this is not where I saw today's show going. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And also, of course, Pee Wee's Playhouse is where a young Larry Fishburne first started his career. Oh, Larry, yeah. As, uh, as Cowboy <laughs> Curtis. Uh, if you've never seen it, I think it's definitely on American Netflix. I'm not sure if it's on UK it Netflix. I think is it? it is, yeah. Me oh. and our Grace have sat and watched them. Pee Wee's Playhouse is, is brilliant. Phil Hartman, yeah. Larry Fishburne, great show. Right, is that is that it? That's it. Today? Okay. That's it. Well, um, thank you very much for listening. I hope it's been informative. I hope you've liked us chatting about Disneyland Paris. Um, we appreciate there's other Disneyland Paris podcasts out there, but frankly, who wants to listen to them when you've got us? Um mm. And, uh, you know, as I said, any feedback, as Craig said, any feedback, please, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter and reply to us there at Disaster Dark or in one of our Facebook groups, uh, either at Disaster Dark or the unofficial After Dark Podcast Network. Um, Find us there and and join in the conversation. Uh, Thank you, Craig and Chris, for joining us on this week's episode. And we will speak to you very soon. Ta-da. Good evening. Beefcans. No! <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. 
If you would like to support Diz After Dark and the other After Dark Network podcasts, please visit our website at www.patreon.com forward slash Diz After Dark. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Diz After Dark. Thank you. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast. Oh.